right, guys. Good to see you today. Welcome uh, to all those at Grove Central. Some new faces here. Thanks for being here. Welcome uh, to the Grove, and we're glad you're with us. Welcome to those online. Thanks for being with us. Hey, this uh, week is a pretty tense week, right? Anybody excited for Tuesday? Anybody? All right, most people are like, let's get this over with, right? So we can just move on. That's what I'm kind of saying. Like, just get it over with so we can move on. Wait, something really little significant is going to happen in our nation this week, right, with elections. And I don't want to make light of it, but I do want to make light of it because uh, you'll see as the message we go on today is uh, it matters, but really doesn't matter all that, it, what we sometimes put into that. And uh, we're going to talk that today, what it looks like. And so today I want to give some encouragement and some hope um, because uh, in the middle of the tension between with, with politics and with the election, uh, we all need a little bit more love and a little more hope. And so for this series, we're going to do a series on the fruit of the Spirit and how God wants us to be fruitful and be full of the, the fruit that he wants to produce in our life. So we're going to talk through that because I, I thought there's not a better topic that we can actually talk about this month than the fruit of the Spirit because uh, we need this in, in, our, in our world more than ever. Let me just say this. If you're not a Jesus follower, and maybe you're watching, you're not a Jesus follower yet, or you're in the room, not not yet, uh, this series is really directed towards uh, Christians because I'm going to really challenge us that call ourselves Christians to live out what God has asked us to live out. But the good news is if you're not, my prayer is by the end of this month, maybe even the end of the day service, you'll want to make a decision to actually follow Christ because of what you hear. I'm going to give us a picture of what Christians should be, what we should look like in the the different uh, fruit in our lives that should be evident. And for this month, we're going to talk about that. So I'm really going to challenge us as Jesus followers to say, what would it look like if we would live out what, what Christ has wanted to do in our lives and the Holy Spirit wanted to do in our lives? What would that look like in our world? I can tell you this one thing. Uh, we'd have better husbands and wives, better employees, better parents, uh, better students, better sons and daughters. Because when we, like, when we let God lead, everything in our world, it just works better. And so we need that more than ever in November, right? Because we need our world to have a little more peace, a little more joy. And we'll talk through all that through this month. Um, so today we're going to talk about that. Uh, but for today, I want to start off by talking about politics, right? We don't really talk about politics in church a whole lot uh, because we don't want that to be the main focus of our church. Um, but we do know that this is a significant uh, thing for our nation, and we should take it. We should pray about it. We should vote. We should take, use our, our, um, our, our rights as citizens to be able to do that. But here's what I want you to know on Tuesday, all right? Your candidate, whoever it is you're voting for, they're going to win or lose based on how the citizens of the United States vote. So whatever candidate you're going to vote for, uh, if yours wins or loses, it's because the way the citizens voted, which means in our nation, and if they're as close as they are, which really, really, we're more polarized and more divided than ever before, which means it's really close, right? So whoever wins, it doesn't matter which side wins, there's going to be a good segment of our country that's not going to be happy. Um, in some cases, some of them will be depressed. Some of them will be really angry. I watched a video in uh, 2016 when Trump won, and there was one lady who was uh, very opposed to him, and uh, she was screaming at the top of her lugs and, like, crying when he won. And uh, it just shows a picture of, like, that's a little out of control, right? And, and then a few years before that, another president won. I saw another group where, like, they began to call him, like, the Antichrist. And they began to call him all this stuff. I'm like, come on, people, calm down, right? Like, it's, it's important, but it's not, it's not supposed to dictate and control our lives. So just know um, it's, it's according to citizens of the U.S. And so if your candidate wins, there's going to be a lot of people who are disappointed because theirs didn't. And it's sometimes they're going to be very frustrated and mad. And uh, hold on to it for a long time. And if yours does win, um, let's not be the people who uh, gloat and, and be that person, right, that's kind of strutting around and making people mad and angry. Um, um, my wife told me she went to work out the day after uh, the election last uh, 2016. And there was one guy who was uh, for the, pre- the one that won for Trump, and he was walking around the gym with his Trump outfit on, like trying to fight everybody, you know. And it just, that, that, don't be that guy, right, because we don't need those people. All right. So whoever wins, just, then let's, let's, um, we need, we, we'll, and we'll pray at the end about this too. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our leaders. But here's the thing. 
Politics is really difficult, and any kind of leadership right now is difficult, right? It is, it's the season we're in, the culture we're in, because it's election year, but just also the dynamic of our culture is kind of shifting, and if we're not careful, um, we, we will destroy our country. In fact, I remember I heard one president say, we won't, we're not going to be destroyed from without, we're going to be destroyed from within through division. In fact, Jesus said, when a house is divided, it can't stand, and when there's division, um, eventually that, that, that house, that nation will crumble. And so if we're not careful, we will become that. And so we have to learn to be something different. So, so your candidate is going to win or lose by how the U.S. votes. But here's the thing. You and I in the church, we're going to win or lose, not by, on, by, by depending on who wins, but rather on our behavior leading up to and after Tuesday. So you win or lose according to your behavior leading up to and then after on Tuesday. So in your relationships, if you have uh, your relationships decline and get worse, it's because of your behavior towards what took place, Right? up to Tuesday and after Tuesday. Uh, that's how we win or lose as a church. And so for us, one of the things we have to say is we, we can't let, as Christians, we can't let anything divide us, right? We must not let anything divide us or anyone divide us. So we have to make that decision to say, I'm not going to allow a party or a person to divide me from, really, from people. And what happens is both candidates, both sides, they have to, to get the other, to get you to be, um, to vote for them, they have to scare you enough, right? That if you don't vote for that, you're going to lose all these things. Um, and if you and, and if they make the other side the demon, they demonize them, right? Make them just the worst of, of everything. And what happens is we take the humanity away from people, uh, because the truth is both sides have some really good people. And in our short history of the United States, we have to remember it's short, right? We tend to think it's really long and we're all that. No, we're short. And like other nations throughout history, if you study them, uh, there's a lot of good things that we've done, and there's also a lot of negative things that we've done, right? And so I love America. I love, I'm glad I'm a citizen. I'm, I'm, I love my country. But at the same time. My, being a citizen of the United States is not more important to me than being a citizen of heaven. That is more important because he, America soon will eventually go away. And we just finished a series on the end times, and one of the things that I found interesting is America's not in, mentioned a whole lot in the end times. Like we're not a significant player, so either it means that we they don't we don't know how to interpret how we fit in that, or we just aren't the world power that we were. And after this year, like I would never would have thought it would have been as soon as it could, but if we keep getting divided the way we are, we won't be a world power for very long, right? It'll eventually will become weekend within. Um, and so maybe that's part of why when the end times talks about it, America, we're not very significant because we allowed us to be divided from within. So even though that happens to our, might happen to our nation, let us never let that happen to our church and, and to and Jesus followers, right? Let us see people the way they are, create an image of Christ, create an image of God. So the person who is totally opposed to your, your political views, they're still a person, they're still made in the image of Christ, right? They're made in the image of God. We need to respect them and love them that same way that Jesus did, Right? He loved people. That's why he gave his life. So let's not ever let anything or anyone divide us, right? Uh, but let us choose to win by making sure our behavior and our actions and our words um, actually um, help people to see there's something different in us because our world needs something different. Um, everybody says it's, it's red or blue, right? Red or blue, what would Jesus do? Like, I get it. You're, you're going to say purple, right? Like a blending of two and, you know, purple's like this royalty. You're like, no, I think it's even better than that. I think it's white. It's like this, this whole different, you know, spectrum that is beyond that and probably more colors than that it's something different it's not red or blue it's completely different the human god is so much better than both and he invites us into that which is great so being a be in politics is really tough difficult and let me say this if your criticism of any leader outweighs your prayers you have an issue if you're a jesus follower now, if you're not criticize do whatever you want to do but if you're a jesus follower um the bible says that there are people in authority because that's the way god wanted to be and ultimately, we have to trust that those people are in authority, one to judge and one to bring blessings, right? And so whatever it is, um, a lot of times they're reflections of the nation, and a lot of times it's what we, what we need or we deserve. And so if your criticism is greater than your praying, praying for them, 
um, you need to switch that. Your prayers should be so much more. So that should be for our president, for our, gov- our governor, for our mayor, right, for p- city officials. Uh, we need to learn to pray for them more often than we criticize them. In fact, if you are criticizing your Jesus follower, I'd say even that's an indication that there might be something wrong in- internally. Uh, because um, if you look at the angels, even throughout Scripture, the leaders throughout Scripture and the angels even, they were very careful not to criticize people because they knew there was power in their words and what they spoke, it mattered. And so we have to be very careful that we don't fall into the scheme of the enemy to use our words to bring death, not life, okay? So it's hard. So pray for them. Pray for the leaders. In fact, um, let me give you a couple of um, – I went back into history kind of learned about some of our presidents. Like what, what does some of them have to struggle with? What, what diff- things do they have to say? Uh, there's one president, um, uh, Van Buren. Have you heard of Van Buren? I was like, you're joking. That's not a president, right? Like, I never heard of Van Buren. I'm sure in school I read about him. But I, eighth president, this is what he said, right? He said, the greatest day, happiest two days of my life were, were those of my entrance upon the office, uh, entrance into the office and my surrender of it. He was like, two greatest days. I was so excited to be president, and I was so excited to get out of there, right? Just a picture of what it means to be a leader. It, it can be challenging, right? This is our eighth president a long time ago. Even him. Like, he was not happy. To, he was happy to leave office. What does that say? And the economy was, during his, his administration, it was tough. I get it. There was, he, he faced a lot of tough stuff. But even back then, a long time ago, he was even, like, saying this is tough, right? And if you read throughout history, um, there's always been these squabbles and fights between different parties. And then at some point, like, uh, any, any Whigs in the House, right? No, they went away. They, they disappeared. So even throughout history, even different political parties disappeared because they weren't significant. and They lost their ability to have a voice. At some point... I don't know, either side might eventually, that might happen to one of the major political parties even now. Who knows? Well, my point is this. Let's not get so invested into that that we forget about the greater picture of, of, of relationships and of, of the kingdom of God, right? So he's, he said that. So Martin Van Buren, he really was. I had to Google and make sure, right, and learn some history myself. But he, that's what he said. Um, in, uh, in 1952, um, one of, the, one, the, one of the, the candidates that was running for president this is known as one of the most um, uh, catchy phrases or slogans that a president had. He said this, we poked you in 44, we shall pierce you in 52. Right? That was his slogan. That's pretty cool. So in, uh, in 44, uh, Polk was uh, James K. Polk, the president that won. So he, he said, referenced to him. He was the same party as, as, um, as Pierce. He said, we, we won in 44, we're going to win again in 52. That was essentially what he was saying, right? So there's two different references to different presidents. They said that was one of the most catchy slogans. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Herbert, he, Herbert Hoover said this, Blessed are the young, for they shall inherit the national debt. That's funny and sad at the same time. Right? So he said that about um, um, just what's going to take place. And this is played out the same exactly like he said. We are inheriting the debt of people who didn't um, manage the money wise, right? wisely. All right, so Abraham Lincoln, he said this. I love Abe, Abraham Lincoln. When I'm getting ready to reason with a man, I spend one-third of my time thinking about myself and what I'm going to say, and two-thirds thinking about him and what he is going to say. You could put a female there, right? I, I think about her and what they're going to say or she's going to say. So he spends one-third thinking about what he's going to say and two-thirds thinking about the person. This is good advice for us this week, right? When you're going to go into encounters with people, maybe they vote different than you, maybe they vote the same. Maybe think less about yourself and more about them. Maybe ask some more questions. Maybe prepare yourself to say, uh, this is a person who has real, real issues. I heard a story in 2016. Um, there was a lady who went to church the Sunday after um, Trump won. And uh, the church, like ours, not very political. They don't make that the focus. The pastor said, I don't really, we don't ever really speak much on it. So that Sunday, we didn't say anything. And uh, that day, he got a, a, got a message. He, he, he read a tweet from this lady who was very distraught. Because in her mind, because they use fear tactics, right, to try to get your vote. 
And so in her mind, all of the fear tactics that they used on her, she began to believe like in an extreme case. So when she went to church, they said nothing about it. So she thought they don't care about me as a person because here I am very fearful and afraid and my church doesn't even care. And he felt bad. He's like, here's somebody in my church I'm pastoring and I love that feels like I didn't care about her because of what she was feeling and going through. So let me just tell you, whatever happens on Tuesday, there's going to be a segment on our side that's going to be very fearful because I told you that, right? If you don't vote for them, you're going to lose all these rights and it's going to be the worst thing in the world. And the other side is saying very similar things. And, and in this, if you're not careful, you'll grab what they're saying. And if your candidate doesn't win, you potentially will live in a season of um, unhealthy unhealthiness in your emotions and your life because that will be the, the main focus of your life. Okay? So today, for this month, we're going to say, what if that wasn't the focus? What if there was a better focus? What if there was a better alternative for us to live and, and live out? So that's where it gets us to Paul. Right? So we're going to read in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. But let me just give you a little backstory on Paul and Galatians. The book of Galatians, right? So Paul, he, before he was known as Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul was a Pharisee. He was a very highly educated man. He was like the top of the class, right? When it comes to the Jewish religion, he had one of the top teachers, was his rabbi, was his teacher. And uh, he just studied in the best schools. So this guy was sharp. He was, when you think of like the best of the best universities, that's what he would have went to, right? He's just a really sharp guy. Well, he was so committed to his side, right, that he was trying to kill the other side. Like he would like physically like catch them and then stone them or imprison them. And so he was chasing down Christians. So if maybe in your past you've met some Christians you don't like. That was Paul or Saul. He didn't like Christians. In fact, he didn't like them so much that he wanted to kill them. Uh, I hear some of this um, language even in our political um, climate, right? There are some sides that they like would physically kill the other person if they could. I'm like, that is not healthy, right? When you get to that state of like, if they're opposed to you, you're going to actually kill them like that. That's not good. But this was Saul. He hated Christians so much that he thought it was his job and his, his um, call to try to stop the Christians from, from, from expanding and growing. So he was trying to cl- shut that down. And then on the, one of his crusades to go do this, um, he has this encounter with Jesus. He's blinded. You read the story. It's pretty awesome. You find it in Acts. And uh, he's blinded by Jesus, and, and God and Jesus speaks to him. Says, he says, uh, Saul, why are, you, why are you crucifying me? Why, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. And he has this encounter where, where God does this miracle in his life. He meets some other Christians, and uh, God changes his heart. And so he goes from hating one side to actually becoming the main uh, voice for that side, right? And we see the letters of Paul throughout the New Testament. He's, he's writing to the different churches and different uh, Jesus followers of that day to encourage them. And so after Paul uh, has this experience, this road to Damascus experience, he encounters Jesus for himself. He goes in the desert, and he spends three years being trained by Jesus. So same way he was trained under the other rabbis for, for most of his life, he now goes and gets trained by Jesus but for these three years. And then he comes after that and meets with the disciples, like Peter and John, some of the guys, uh, James and some people like that. And he begins to have a relationship with them and talk to them about this. And people are freaked out because um, here's this guy who hated Christians and was killing them. Now he's going around and, and saying he is a Christian. So a lot of them were like, it's just, a, it's just a ploy, right? He's just trying to get us on his side so he can kill us and imprison us. And so they were very skeptical of him. But it turns out he really was. He had this, this change of his life. In fact, his name changes from Saul to Paul. And then he begins to go travel the world and begins to start churches all around the world to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he's traveling around the world. He's, he's starting these churches. And what, what happens is through time, as these churches encounter things and face things, sometimes internally, sometimes externally, He's writing letters to encourage them, to remind them about, about what it was that they're supposed to be focused on. So this, this letter in, in, to the Galatian church is really it's a province uh, that had as an area right above uh, what place that he had his first journey he went through. 
And, and what happened was there were some religious people that kind of came into the church and began to try to persuade them, right? Like, like um, what maybe the way we cut off that is they, they were like trying to say, no, no, it's not the blue, it's the red, right? You're totally on the wrong side. You need to go this way. And they were, they were starting to pull, pull within the church like kind of like a, a battle, right, of what was right and was wrong. And they were legalists. And so they, they said, no, we have to obey everything in the law, right? With the, there's 613 commands. Huh? That's my Bible. Here's my Bible. There's 613 commands in the Bible. We need to follow all of them. So they're legalists saying, like, we're under the law. And Paul's saying, no, no. Like, if, if that's true, then what did Jesus die for, right? And so he writes this letter to these churches to encourage them and say, guys, don't get focused on the wrong thing. Don't let, don't let the focus of what's taking place in your world become your main focus. Don't let the focus of those voices become what you do. And then he goes on and says, because if you do, you're, not gonna, you're, you're actually going to live under, under a slavery, under a yoke of slavery to the law. And he says that's, that's the opposite of what I was trying to preach. And so he writes this letter to the Galatians. And he starts off, by, and starts off this, uh, this one of the chapters by saying, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. It's for freedom that Christ died. That's why he wants to give you freedom. And so he's writing this letter. And, and some of the language in Galatians, if you read it, I would encourage you this month, make that a book that you'll just kind of study and dig into. Go deep, as deep as you can into that book, um, that letter, and, and begin to, to, to read what he's saying. But he, and he has some really harsh language towards these group of people that are trying to pull them away and sway them away from Jesus, right? And so he says some really strong words toward them because he's passionate about saying, you, you don't let them take you, take you off course. So he writes this in Galatians 5, and this is the, will be in this, this chapter most of the series. Uh, but this is what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We're called to be free. But do not, let, use, do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So the flesh, so he uses this word a lot to talk about like our, um, the part of us that, that desires things, right? It's, it's, the, it's the pleasure part of us. It's the, um, it's the body. It's, it's more than just the body, the cravings. It's, it's, it's our desires within. So he says it's the flesh, right? Don't indulge the flesh. Uh, rather, serve one another in humbly love. So he's already starting to say, like, when it comes to what Jesus did on the cross, we have a choice to make, right? He wants us to be free, but don't use that freedom to indulge. In fact, there's these two extremes that him and, and James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, um, who were actually combating in, in the early days, right? Same, same as us. There's these extremes of beliefs, right? And on both extremes, if you're really honest about both extremes, neither of them are healthy. In fact, they kind of both lead you into a ditch, right? And so he's kind of saying this. He's, he, he's kind of addressing this, this, the side of legalism, of saying, don't, don't let it become so bogged down that you don't, you don't have freedom, right? It becomes a, a trap. And the other side is it's license, right? They call it liberty, but it's really license to do whatever you want to do. And they say, don't, don't go in that. Don't let that suck you off into the side because you'll become enslaved to everything you do, right? Eventually, you give yourself to anything. You don't have more life. You have less life, and there's a lot of things that come with it. So they're both kind of fighting these two, two different extremes. And even in our society with politics, right, we have to always say, we have to be aware uh, that, that that battle's still going on. Um, when it comes to this reality. But for us, as, as Jesus followers, it's a spiritual reality. He's saying, rather, serve one another with humbly love. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, the 613 commandments that you'll find in the Old Testament, they're all fulfilled with this one commandment. If you can do this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, you actually fulfill the whole Bible, the whole law. That's what Paul's saying. If you're going to summarize it down to it, and we can even summarize just to one word, love. Next week we'll talk about that. But if you want to know what the, what the main word of the Bible, the, the, the main action word of the whole Bible is love. That is the motive behind this whole book. It's love. And he's saying, if you'll just love your neighbor as yourself, and how do you love yourself? Do you want 
Do you, do you enjoy when people yell at you? No, they don't yell at others, right? Do you enjoy when the opposite side is, is mocking and saying lies or whatever? No, then don't do that to the other side, right? So he's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you'll fulfill the whole commands. But he says, but if you bite and devour each other, I thought this is interesting, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So if the Republicans can keep biting and devouring the Democrats, watch out, they'll be destroyed by each other. If the Democrats keep biting and devouring the Republicans or other parties, right, at some point they will begin to devour each other. So the same reality is saying if, if we're not careful and we bite and devour each other, it's, gonna, it's not going to help us become better. It's going to actually make us worse. He's saying just let, let's not bite and devour each other, right? Otherwise it will eventually destroy us. So I say, and he says, so he gives us an alternative, right? Uh, I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So now he's going to give us some tools and some abilities to say, okay, if, if there's this battle going on, how, what am I supposed to do with this, right? So he says, walk by the Spirit. And this is an idea. This idea is like if you're on a journey with somebody, so say you and I go for a hike, right? And we're going to go up um, to Nambay Falls, and we're on this trail. Well, if we're uh, together on the trail, we're, we're walking together, eventually we'll get to this really nice destination. It's kind of idea. We're walking with the Spirit, right? So on this journey of life, it's, it's called relationship with God. We are we actually have a conversation, ongoing conversation with Him, allowing us, allowing Him to lead us. We're walking in step with Him. And when we do that, we don't gratify all the desires of, of, of what our flesh wants, right? Of pleasure, just doing whatever we want. And then He goes on and says, "Now let me give you a picture of what the flesh desires. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh." They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So he says there's these two parts to us, right? There's the, there's the flesh and then there's the spirit. And they're kind of opposed to each other and they both want the opposites. This is Paul in Romans. He's saying, I want to do what's right, but it seems like I don't always do what's right. There's this battle within. And like the, the, sometimes the flesh and the anger and the, the frustration comes out. And then sometimes it's like, yes, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to allow him to work in my life. And there's just this constant battle. So he's saying uh, they're, they're at work. They're, they're fighting each other. So, but if you're led by the spirit, he says... You're not under the law. So if, you're, if you let God lead you, you're not forced, you're not stuck, you're not enslaved to the law, and you're not enslaved to, to the uh, just doing whatever you want to do. So let, him, let, let the Spirit lead you. So it's not just walking the Spirit, it's also letting the Spirit lead you. And then he goes on and says, let me give you an example of to, to things to look at in your life. If you're, if you're living according to the flesh, here are the works or the acts that you'll see. The works of the flesh are obvious. There's sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. This word debauchery, we tend to use it with, with alcohol, right? It's just the opposite of self-control. There's no control, right? So when it comes to the uh, really the sensual sins is what he's talking about here, there's just no control. It's kind of you give yourself to anything and do anything, right? Just whatever goes. So he's saying, here's the, here's the acts or the works of the flesh. Immorality, sexual immorality, purity. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred. Hmm, that's a big word for our culture right now. Discord, another big word. Jealousy, ah, another big word. Fits of rage, yep. Self-ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So he's saying, these are going to be the works of the flesh, right? You just give yourself to whatever, and you'll begin to see these things within your life. That's what's going to take place. And, it, and just so you know, the fruit of all this, Jesus says, and, and God tells Adam and Eve, when you choose sin, when you choose the, work, choose the works of the flesh, it'll only produce death. That's all it can produce, right? Now, it doesn't produce death right away. It takes a little bit of time, but it always leads to death, and it always leads to chaos. When you let the flesh lead, and you're only following your, your feelings and your emotions, it will always lead to chaos at some point, right? Like, like if you think of a relationship, right? So my wife and I, we've been married for 18 years. We're in this relationship. And in the beginning, um, you know, I did things because I was supposed to. It's like the law, right? You, you, you can't do these things. 
But at some point in my relationship, there was a, a shift where I realized I didn't have to, I got to, right? And we'll talk about that a little more in a little bit. But in my relationship with her, um, it, it was, there's indications of, of I, the way I'm um, living that relationship out, there's indications. Is if I just did my own thing all the time, right? If I, if I talked to her just like out of anger and out of frustration, eventually there, it wouldn't be a healthy relationship. That's what, that's what he's saying is if you let the flesh lead and the feelings lead, at some point that relationship's going to break down and it's going to be destroyed. But if you let God lead, he's saying you'll see something different. So he says an envy and drunkenness and the like. So it's not like a exhaustive list. It's just it's like etc. Right? There's more to it, but that's just he's giving you enough to know. This, these are the things you'll see in your life when you let this flesh lead. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like that, according to the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when he first went to them, he told them about the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Right? So he's, he's teaching them. If you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you have to be able to. You have to begin to say no to those things. He's saying those things will only lead to death, and they'll never lead to anything good. But more than that, those who practice it, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They'll miss the kingdom of God. And then he goes on, but he says, but the fruit. So here's the flesh. That's the flesh. Now let's talk about the spirit, the fruit. And notice he doesn't talk about the works of the spirit because that's an ongoing thing. He talks about the fruit of it. So if the fruit of the flesh was death, then here's the fruit of the spirit. Here's the, here's the outcomes of when we let the spirit lead us and walk with him. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, it is peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, but if you want to know when you're walking according to the Spirit and you're in step with Him, here's what you'll have in your life. You'll have some love, which is the key because that is really the, what energizes the rest of these, right? And then you'll have some peace and you'll have some patience. So. Patience would be, okay, this, this Tuesday, if your candidate doesn't win, you'd say, all right, uh, I didn't get my way, but instead of freaking out, I know that in the four years, there'll be another opportunity for me to vote the way I want to vote. In two years, there'll be an opportunity for me to vote within my, my, my local right, voting. There'll be, there'll, there'll be some patience. There'll be, there'll be this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push anger away, and I'm going to say, I can still use my life for good. It doesn't matter who wins. I can still make my decisions to live the life that God has called me to live. I'm going to have a little bit of joy, no matter what takes place, because my joy is not in either party. It's in something that's so much better than that, right? I'm going to be gentle. And then self-control, I'm glad you included this, because all of these other ones, you can almost like fake these. You can pretend, right? Like, how are you doing today? Well, I'm so good, and you're crying on the inside, right? Like, I'm so joyful, but really you're not. But self-control, you can't fake that. We know when you're out of control, and we know when you have self-control, Right? When, when I, I saw um, all back, there was uh, these protesters who were yelling, and there's this police officer, and the guy's in his face, and he's like, man, I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, this guy's going to get killed, right? And the police officer keeps his cool? He has self-control because he didn't kill that guy, even though he could have. Self-control. In this season, when people are in our face, people are saying stuff we don't like, whatever happens on Tuesday, and we can say, you know what? I'm not going to let the emotions get out of control. I'm not going to let the emotions lead, Right? And he goes on and says this. He says, oh, there, against these are no such law. So there's, there's not a law against these. This is what you're trying to produce. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So when we're following Jesus, he's saying there's this part of our, our journey where we're saying no to the flesh. We're saying no to those desires. Even though it might feel good for a moment, we're saying I'm going to choose something healthier than just the immediate. And he says, since we live by the Spirit, right? So he says, um, walk, walk with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. He's giving us these, these, these indications of what we're supposed to do. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So let's not become... And when you do this, don't begin to think you're better than others, right? Uh, and begin to provoke or envy what others have. Just trust God for what he wants to do in your life. 
when we live this way. So what Paul is trying to do, you know, you might have heard like if you teach, you, you, you can, if you give somebody a fish, they eat for a day, right? But if you teach them to fish, they eat for a lifetime. Paul's trying to do this for us. He's not just telling us, so, so the law says, do this, here's the fish, right, do this. And our culture is really good at this. Like, they just want to give us what we need for the day, and they want to take care of our needs. But they don't teach us a lot of times to take care of ourselves. Paul's saying, let me, let me not just give you a fish. Let me not just help you to, to just do the right thing. Let me teach you the motive behind it. And what he's doing in this, in this letter, he's trying to teach us some principles and some, the way to look at our relationship with God in a different way. He says, when you live this way, there's going to be better results, right? You have to, the choice is this. You let the flesh lead or you let the spirit lead. And, and for us... Our choice has to always be we're going to let God lead. It has to be the choice that we make lead, not the emotion. The way you know the flesh is leading because you're, you're letting the feelings lead, right? I don't feel like doing this. Well, you didn't do the right thing. I don't feel like working out, so I'm not going to work out. Well, you just let the feeling tell you what not to do. I, don't, I, I feel really angry, so I'm going to just give you peace of my mind. You let the feeling lead instead of the choice. So we as Jewish followers have to let our choice must lead, and then the feeling will follow. The opposite is... Feelings lead, and then the choices follow, and then those choices are always bad. So let our choice of saying, God, I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help. I'm going to allow you to lead me in this direction. And here, here's what happens when we do this. He, he gives us a peace in the middle of the storm. He gives us joy in the middle of what seems like there should be no joy, right? He gives us the ability to be kind to others, even when they're being jerks to us, right? And that's what he's saying. He's going to produce in us something different that we reflect and look different. In fact, Jesus, he prayed for us, he prayed for the disciples in John uh, 17, and this is what his prayer was, that we would be united so that when we love each other, whether we're Republican or Democrat, when we love each other, the world will see something different in us. Like, how is that group of people who are the church so much different than the rest of us? Well, because we understand that we have differences, but those differences don't divide us because we have a, something common that's better, more important than the differences, and that commonality is, is the kingdom of God, right? How we learn to love people, we see them. And that he says, and when you do this, the world will know, not just you're my disciples, but the world will actually know that I am God because they'll see something different in us. And he prays for us this. And so it shows where our hope is, right? Where our hope exactly lies when we, when we trust him and we say, I'm going to choose. I'm not going to just fill. I'm going to choose what God wants me to do. So it, throughout scripture, Jesus talked about it. Um, Old Testament talks about it. It talks about our life being like a tree and producing something with our life. And so Luke 6, Jesus says this. He says, each tree, this would be, he's talking about a person, right, the, our, the way we live, each person is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes, uh, grapes from briars. So you're not going to find a good fruit in a weed, and you're not going to find a weed on, on, on a tree that produces something good, right? So he's saying, a good man, he brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and he gives us a picture of where that comes from. So you want to know where the fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing comes from? It's from the heart. When we allow the process, and that's the unseen part, right? to take place, and we live this on a consistent basis, we'll see fruit. He said, so the good is stored up in the person's heart, and the evil man brings evil out of the things stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then he says, if you don't know what's in the heart, the mouth is going to show you. So the words you speak are going to reveal what fruit is there and what's taking place. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, pay attention to what you say because that's an indication of what's in there. So on Tuesday, whoever wins, if you find yourself being boastful and arrogant because your guy won, right, Check your heart. What, what is it there? And if you find yourself really disappointed and discouraged, um, maybe fearful because yours didn't win, check your heart. The words that are coming out will indicate what is there. And if you're really aware of it, you can actually um, find out exactly where it's coming from. And at some point, it's because you believed something that somebody said greater than what God said. And if you're distraught, 
and you're angry and you're frustrated leading up to this rafter, that's just an indication. Can I tell you that you have put your hope somewhere else besides God? Your hope is in a political party. Your hope is in a person, not in God. And those things should just be indications for us, right? That we're aware of saying, um, I'm not going to be, my, my, my future is not dependent on who's, who's in office. My future is not dependent on what's going on. My future is what God has for me. And we choose God over politics. We choose relationship over just a policy, right? And we say, God, I want to be the kind of person that you use to lead my life. So pay attention to the heart. Uh, Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step. That's interesting, right? Walk in step. And we talk about that, walk in step with the Spirit, or walk in step with other voices. So he's saying, the person that's blessed is not going to walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take the seat in the company of mockers. So that person, he's not walking according to the flesh. He's not walking with others according to the flesh either. He's walking in step with the Spirit. So the person that's blessed is walking with God. He says, who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. This is the person that understands God's word. And the reason you understand God's word is so you know how to process and what to speak, right, when, when you have opposition. So the enemy came to Jesus and tempted him. Jesus overcame the enemy by quoting scripture, right? He used God's word to, to defeat him. So that's what he's saying. You delight in God's word. You meditate and you learn it and you understand it. There's going to be something in your life. In fact, it goes on and says, this person will produce. It's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Anybody want to prosper in everything you do? This is the promise God says. If you trust him, you let him lead, you will prosper. That doesn't mean you're going to make all the kind of money and always be successful in the, in the world standards, but you're going to be prospering in your relationships. You're going to prosper in many ways that you never would have dreamed possible. Right? You'll have peace of mind when you go to sleep. You'll have some joy. You'll have all those things. He's saying that person is going to prosper in all they do. And my prayer is that we be this kind of people. We prosper in all we do because we allow him to lead. Let me show you one more scripture. Jesus says this in John 15. He says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So if you stay connected to Jesus, he's saying you're going to have a lot of fruit in your life, much fruit. You're not going to just produce a little bit of fruit. You're going to produce a lot of fruit, much fruit, because you're connected to me. But those, but apart from me, you cannot do, you can do nothing. So some people say, well, I can do a lot of things that, that I'm not connected to God. I can do, yeah, you might be able to do some stuff, but it won't be eternal. There won't be any eternal value to it. You can make a lot of money. You can be very successful here on earth, but it's not going to last. That's what he means by nothing. Nothing significant or eternal value when you're not connected to him. But when you're connected to him, even the little things you do on earth can have a massive eternal significance because it'll produce much fruit because you're connected to him. And this is what Jesus is saying is when we're in relationship with him, we're connected to him, we will produce fruit. And he goes on and says this, this is, my, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So you show everybody else you're one of the disciples when you bear much fruit. And he's saying if you stay connected to him, you'll have good things that, that come from your life, like the fruit of the Spirit, right? You'll begin to see these things. And it's like you'll show the rest of the world that you're my disciple. So when it comes to our choice, right, letting the flesh lead, letting God lead. Um, when it comes to the, the flesh, a lot of times what we try to do is control things in our own power. Right? This is what the law tries to do, right? So we can say it like this. Religion is always spelled do, D-O, right? So do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. So you get all the, the thou shalt and the shalt shall nots, right? This is, the, this is the religion is always about the command. But Christianity is about something that's done already. It's spelled D-O-N-E. So what Jesus did on the cross, he fulfilled the law. He came to show us what it was to live in such a way that we'd fulfill that, loving our neighbors ourselves, right? He's showing us this. Um, and so what we're, do, what we're called to do is, as Jesus followers is we're supposed to walk, walk into what he's already accomplished. So we, our starting point is what Christ did on the cross. Now we move forward from that. 
So we, we, we start with what our he already accomplished. We don't have to start trying to get up to where he was. And that's what religion does. It, it wants us to, to, to go through all of these hoops and do all these things to prove how awesome we are so we can finally become more like God. And he said, no, no, I did the work of that. I died on the cross in your place. I, I fulfilled that. Now just walk with me on this journey. Just do what I did. Love the way I loved. So what did Jesus do? If, if you read the stories of, of Jesus when, 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 he, when he's doing ministry for these three years, it says he would slip away in the morning to get away from the crowds. And he'd spend time in prayer. He'd slip away to get, get, get away. What was he doing? He was walking in step with the Spirit. So he was seeking God for that day. If you, if you notice what Jesus did is he didn't do everything. He didn't, he didn't go to every person. He, he didn't heal every single person. He did the things that God wanted him to say and do and encounter those people. So in the morning, I'm sure he wakes up and saying, so what is it you want me to do today? And, and God is telling him, you're going to encounter this person, and you need to walk to the villages, uh, through, through this village, and you're going to meet this woman at this well, and here's the things you're going to tell her. So he's going down this journey. So notice he didn't talk to every single woman in that village. He talked to one specific woman. And then that woman had a big impact in her whole village. It was the right person he was supposed to talk to. And there's a guy that's paralyzed by the side of a pool, and he walks to this guy, and he does this great miracle and heals this guy. But what the scriptures, I mean, it says it, but it doesn't say it, is if you can imagine all these people around this pool that are paralyzed and, and sick, and it's like just walking over them. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. And he gets to the one person and says, hey, so do you want to be healed today? He's like, yeah, but I can't get in the pool. Get your mat and walk. Get, take up your mat and walk. And he heals this guy. And then he walks back over all the other ones. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Right? It doesn't say that, but that's exactly what took place, is he did the mission that he was supposed to accomplish. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. You don't have to do everything. But there is those one or two things that God is calling you to do, probably every single day. And if we'll be people who walk in step with the Spirit, and we seek Him for that, we'll find out what that is. And we celebrate people in history who found that one thing, and they gave their life to it. We celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Why? Because he found that thing that God gave him a voice for, and he fought for it. We celebrate Mother Teresa because she found that thing that she was passionate about, helping the poorest of the poor. We celebrate those people. Why? Because they found their, their lane that God was calling them to. And there is a lane for every one of us in this room, and God is asking us to be there. If we'll seek him, he'll help us to find that. That's what it means to, 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 to let the Spirit lead. It's an ongoing process, right, that we're saying, I'm going to work from what you've done, and I'm going to begin to, 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 to move forward. So you don't have to do everything, but you do have to do something. You don't have to serve every single person, but you have to serve someone. You don't have to, you don't have to fix everything, but you have to fix something. What is that thing, right? Maybe it's in your, your place that you work. You're thinking, why am I there? Because there's an assignment for you. You're there because of somebody. There's some relationship, something's going on. And if you'll begin to seek God, he'll help you to find that, right? We're called to walk in this. And here's the, here's the difference. Um, I read scripture. When I read scripture out of religion or out of law, I have to, right? Do this or you're so bad. But when I read out of relationship, it's already done. I get to. So if I'm, my, my, Sarah and I are in, in our relationship, our marriage, right? Well, if I, I stayed married because I have to, it's not a very fun marriage. But if I stay married because I get to, hey, that's a lot of fun. And if I choose these things, it becomes better. So in my relationship with God, when it's a I get to relationship, it's really enjoyable. Because I don't have to do these things. I get to do these things. I don't go to church because I have to. I get, I get to go to church so I can learn something. I can encounter. I can encourage. I can use my gifts to serve others. I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work so I can make an impact. Right? That's the difference. Religion is always, you, if you don't do this, you're no good. Relationship with God, Christianity is, is saying you get to. It's an opportunity. And when we live this way, it is, it is so much better than having to. 
And this is what Paul is fighting against. He's saying, guys, these guys are sneaking in. They're telling you you have to do all these rules. You have to follow all these regulations. But that only enslaves you to that. And it actually keeps you away from the thing that God wants you to. Because you spend all your time trying to perform and do all these things that you actually miss the thing that God created you for in the first place. Freedom. Walking in step with him. And he invites us into this journey. Titus tells us like this. In, in the book of Titus, Paul is talking. Um, he says this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So God's grace, he offers salvation to everybody. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So he's saying this, that it teaches us how to make the choice to say no to the flesh and yes to God. He is helping us on this journey. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all the wickedness and and purify himself, a people that, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. What is he saying? We get to do this. He's trying to produce something in us, and we say, we are so thankful, God, that we get to do this. We're eager to do what's good this week. So Monday and today, what is it that you're eager to do that's good? On Tuesday, can you be eager and excited for what's going to take place? Because that means you get to love people, right? No matter what takes place on either side, we go into the week saying, I'm here to serve. I'm here to love. I'm here to care for people. It doesn't matter how they vote. It doesn't matter what, what's going on in the world. Don't let that shake you. Because at the end of the day, this will all go away. And there will be something, more, something much more important than what we're facing right now. Let's not let the temporary become more important than the internal. Let's not let the moment become more important than the long game. So for me as a, as a pastor, I, I'm always thinking long term. When I vote, and you should vote, I vote long term. I'm trying to say, okay, who, who is it that's going to help me accomplish things God wants me to accomplish in the long run? And then how can I vote that? Not just the immediate who's going to give me the things that they promised me because... Everybody promises things they can't give. Not, not that. I'm not going to vote just for the media. I'm going to vote for the long term. One of the reasons we have such a huge debt in our nation is because people wanted the immediate. They exchanged the immediate for the long term. So I'm not going to vote that way. I'm not going to let the, the flesh and the pleasure of whatever we want for the moment out be more important than what's, what we want to accomplish long term. So we're thinking long term. We're saying be eager to do this, right? You get to. You get to live in such a way. So here's my challenge for us, all right? This week, especially this week, but even through this whole month, Would you walk in step with the Spirit? What does that look like? You're on a journey, you're on a hike, you're on a trail, and he's leading you somewhere somewhere very incredible. It's going to be a beautiful location. It's going to be an amazing destination. He's leading you there, and if you walk in step with him, you'll get there. If you don't, you're going to look up, be lost, and be like, where would I go? And what's great about God is he'll help you get back on track, even if that's you. But walk in step with the Spirit. So whether your candidate wins or loses, and if you're distraught over it, that's an indication that your hope is in the wrong place. Okay? If you're fearful, indication that you've placed your hope in something that's not God. Because God is not going to be surprised by what takes place. He already knows what's going to take place. This year, next year, and the years to come. And he knows how we should respond, how we should act in every given moment. If we trust him, he'll lead us. So in this election, I have peace. You know why? Because my peace is not in whoever wins. My peace is in the fact that God knows more and can do more. And whatever they decide to do, and whatever laws are passed, whether that makes it harder for me or not, God can still use my life to make a difference, make use your life to make a difference. We have to walk in step with him. So this month, here's a prayer that we're going to give you. This is a challenge. I would encourage you to pray it today, pray it tomorrow, every day. Maybe it'll be the start of your days, right, when I talk about having this, this rhythm and the routine. Here's the prayer. Um, Sarah, you help me come up with this great, great prayer. It says, Lord, help me be warm and loving, contagiously joyful. We're going to need some of that on Tuesday, right? Actively, actually probably on Wednesday. Actively peaceful, enduringly patient, 
intentionally kind, consistently good. God, help me be unwaveringly faithful, respectfully gentle, vigorously self-controlled, and always aware that the Holy Spirit wants to shine your light through me. This is the person I want to be. Amen. This is the person I want to be. This, this week, I want to be this kind of person that I can live in a way that people say, what is going on with you? And not because not my candidate won or not, but because it doesn't matter. I'm above that and beyond that and better than that because God is calling us to something more. So maybe today you're here. And as I talked about being a Jesus follower, maybe some of you in this room, you're not, you haven't committed your life to Jesus. You're not following his lead. And maybe some of you are ready to take that step. Maybe other, others of you have said, you know what, I, I want to follow Christ, but I just haven't been doing a very good job. I've been doing this, this do thing, this religion thing of having to. But today, I want to choose the, to, to I get to. I want to. I want to be eager for the moments that he talks to me. I want to be willing to be able to follow his lead. And if you're here today, you want to make that decision, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. In fact, would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? Whether you're in the building or you're watching online, if that's you, and today you would say, I want to put my trust in God. I want my peace and my confidence and my courage and my strength and my joy and everything in my life come from him, not from the world. Maybe that's you and you're saying, I'm ready to follow. I'm ready to walk in step. Would you do me a favor? Would you lift your hand wherever you're at right there in the room? And I won't call you to the front, but lead you in a prayer right there. Awesome. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're watching online and you're ready to make this decision, would you pray this prayer with us? And if you're in the room and you didn't raise your hand, would you still pray with us with those that raise their hand and not praying alone? Say this. Say, Father God, today I choose you. I put my hope, I put my trust in you. Would you come into my life? Give me a new start. I'm going to follow your lead. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Give us an example of how to live. Thank you that he died on that cross for me. That he's alive today. Wanting to help. Come into my life. Give me a new start. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of placing my hope in the wrong things. Today I place place them in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, let's celebrate that today. Those that raise their hands, so good.